Welcome to a Squeakly podcast special from Cartoon Movie 2020. My name is Steve Henderson and I'm your host unraveling three days of amazing ideas, perfect pitches and suave salesmanship. But what is Cartoon Movie you may ask? Well to the uninitiated it's basically where indie films in Europe are born. It's one of the premier platforms if you have an idea for a feature film and need for partners to produce it or distributors to distribute it or just animation studios to animate it. People come from across the world to pitch and to buy ideas and to turn them into films. Recent festival favourites such as I Lost My Body, The Swallows of Kabul and Boonwell and the Labyrinth of Turtles were all pitched here at Cartoon Movie years ago. It's also a place where you can get a preview of the indie films that will hit the big screen in cinemas and at festivals in future, with 40% of the films pitched at the forum going on to succeed, including the upcoming Wolf Walkers by Cartoon Saloon. The amazing thing about this forum is the wealth of imagination and range of styles applied to the different tales. You're never too far away from the next big hit. And we've got a podcast full of guests with potential future hits. So this isn't just a preview of films that are coming out soon. This is a preview of films that haven't even been made yet. So you can't get more exclusive than that, I think. But hopefully what this podcast can do is inspire those of you that might have an idea of your own and not know how to get it off the ground. Maybe you'll take the plunge and look at pitching your idea somewhere. People pitch ideas at various stages of development, from an exciting concept right the way through to nearly completed films just needing distributors. And our first guest from Kachin Cartoons came to the event to pitch the Grocodile in concept, so it's just an idea at the moment for an exciting idea at that. A Roald Dahl-esque story about a little girl who gets a pet crocodile. The project featured a fantastic teaser trailer that captured the spirit of the pitch. So I'll hand it over to our first guest from Kachin Cartoons. So hello, I am Erik Verkerk from Kachin Cartoons. And my name is Joost van der Bos, also from Kachin Cartoons. So you guys from Kachin are here showcasing Grocodile, which is here in concept, which I don't know if it's worth explaining to the listeners what in concept means uh, at car- here at Cartoon Movie. What does it mean to you guys? Well, there are several stages where you can present your project here and in concept is basically the earliest stage uh, where you present your ID and some visual artwork and try to get partners aboard from the first moment that you're presenting it. Fantastic, but there's a great trailer that you've created for the Grocodile. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about the process of putting together that trailer. Okay, uh, I think only in November we decided to uh, enter uh, but we had a plan before to because our movie is based on a book so we already uh, knew that we uh, were gonna uh, do this movie based on the book but with cartoon movie you also have to make this uh, teaser but we are not actually a stop-motion studio we are actually a 2d studio so so we transformed our basement <laughs> into a stop-motion studio just to make this uh, teaser. Yeah, it was first like this. We had a, we had this idea of entering Cartoon Movie, and they said, but we need a trailer in stop-motion. Yeah, well, we'll see about that once we get selected. And uh, then we got selected, and we thought, oh, no, now we have to make this trailer. <laughs> so uh, basically, we thought about uh, the smartest thing to make a trailer that has the stop-motion feel, but we knew we didn't have time or the budget to actually create uh, large-scale puppets or big sets so we decided to do this trailer where we just move the camera through the living room and some simple animation in there and it's uh, yeah it's very effective could you tell us a little bit about the crocodile you said it was based on a book uh, from what we saw it's very kind of 
It's quite a Roald Dahl-y concept. Yeah. Yes. The book is uh, written by Paul van Loon. He's a, a Dutch children's book author. He mostly writes scary books for kids, so with uh, zombies or vampires or werewolves. And uh, now he wrote a book about a crocodile. It's actually all, already a pretty old book. Um, so, yes. Yeah, he, he, he's one of the most famous Dutch children's book authors. He wrote over 100 books. A uh, lot of his films, his books have been turned into films, but never into an animated feature film. And uh, he kind of describes his style as groomer, gruesome humor. And that's, uh, that's kind of, I think, Roald Dahlish as well, because it's, it, it, it's for a younger audience, but it's always a little bit, uh, yeah, it's a little bit more scary, and it's, it's got humor, and it's usually about children uh, who, who stand up against uh, adults. And, Oh, it's, uh, fantastic. There's the fabled elevator pitch, uh, which I'm sure people have heard about, where you have to give a, a one line or a couple of lines to sell your idea to a famous Hollywood executive or somebody with a big bag of cash, at least. Uh, what would your elevator pitch be for Grocodile, or what would your tagline be? Oh, it would uh, be a stop-motion family feature film about a little girl who's, who's growing a crocodile by her willpower into an enormous crocodile. Yeah. So one day, uh, this girl uh, gets uh, an egg from a mysterious mailman, and he says that if you use your willpower and really, really want it, something special would hatch from the egg, and she wishes for a baby crocodile, and that's what she gets. Fantastic, and all the trouble that comes with that as yeah. well. So her father is a, is a failed shoe salesman, so when he uh, discovers the, that there's a crocodile in his house, you might assume he gets mad, but not at all because he wants to turn the crocodile into leather shoes, crocodile uh, suitcases, uh, it will make him rich. Have you found Cartoon Movie? Have you had much of a, 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 a positive response to the, the idea? Yeah, uh, uh, last year there was a focus on the Netherlands, so we, last year we were here also, and it was pretty good for us to get a sense of what Cartoon Movie is like, to see some pitches, how, see how other people do it. So that now we're here this year with our own project. We are a bit prepared. And uh, I think Cartoon Movie is w quite wonderful. We got a lot of uh, response. At the end of your presentation, you get these uh, pink sheets where uh, everybody, uh, like sales agents and uh, distributors, uh, they fill in this sheet and they give you a score. And you can uh, use that maybe if they like the project to contact them afterwards yeah so that's quite great and and, and today uh, we plan to see a lot of other projects but it's quite filled with uh, appointments because of our presentation of yesterday which is good because uh, we're only early in concept and a lot of people are already willing to talk with us about it so fantastic so what top tip would you give anybody who wants to come and pitch an idea at cartoon movie I think uh, be well prepared, and if you if you know your story, know your story well, and try to keep it condensed. Try to uh, don't go over in details about the characters when you still want to explain your story. Uh, I hope, and I think we quite kept it condensed and kept it quite small, so for everybody, it was good to understand and see some really nice visuals and. Uh, and be enthusiastic. 
Brilliant. So if somebody's listening and they've got a big bag of cash or an animation studio who wants to get involved with this fantastic idea, what website do they need to go to? How can they find out more about Kaching or about Crocodile? Uh, they, they can find us at uh, uh, kachingcartoons.com. It's www.ka uh, <laughs> and then uh, like dash. a dash and then C-H-I-N-G cartoons.com. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for talking to Squiggly today. Thank you. Thank you. Next up on the podcast, we meet Jerrica Cleland. Jerrica is a storyteller, cinematographer, consultant and director who started her career at Pixar, working on Toy Story 2 and Finding Nemo, before finding a home in Europe where she's worked with Aardman, Cartoon Saloon and serves as the creative director for Norlam Studios. Quite the CV. Jerrica came to pitch two ideas. The first, Raven Girl and second, a concept originally called Planet of Kids. But in true pitching style, the name of the film changed the day before the event. And I'll leave it to Jerrica Cleland to explain more. I'm here, I'm here with probably, well, perhaps the busiest person at uh, uh, Cartoon Movie this year, uh, pitching two projects. Uh, Jerrica Cleland, thank you for talking to Squiggly today. Thank you, I'm really happy to be here. Uh, so you're here uh, pitching two projects at various levels of production. We've spoke to people who are here with concepts and we've spoke to people that are here with full pitches. We're going to start with the full pitch. Uh, you're here with Raven Girl, which is a tale uh, from uh, of green, uh, myth from Greenland. Yeah, Raven Girl is a 2D animated feature. It's based um, around the nugget of a Greenlandic myth, which is called the Mother of the Sea. And it's a myth that's shared across Greenland culture, Inuit culture, across into Siberia also. So it's this figure that lives at the bottom of the sea that all sea life sprang from. Um, and in the myth, uh, in the myth, it, when humans get out of balance with nature, the sea life flees into the hair of the Mother of the Sea. She gets really angry, frustrated she can't get them out, and she creates these great storms. And only a shaman can calm her down and comb the fish out of her hair and promise to set things right in the human world. So that's the myth. And that's interwoven into the story, but it's a modern day story about a modern day girl whose uh, little fishing village in Greenland uh, suddenly has all these fish disappearing. And so she ends up sort of stumbling into being the shaman that has to take this journey into the spirit realms. The myth turns out to be true. And so it's really a story about starting out as a passive kid, part of a passive culture, and stepping into her power. So as she learns to become a shaman, as she travels into the spirit realms, she gets as her power animal the bold and tricky raven, who is a provoker and very, like, a, he's quite a tricksy character. Um, and he can manifest in the real world as a boy. So he has, she has this companion who will help her on this journey. But he's, uh, you know, he doesn't do anything uh, sincerely and he doesn't do anything straight up. So everything about him is goofy, irreverent. So he's quite a challenging character for her. Um, but through that relationship, she grows to stand up for herself, to understand how to blend her traditional background with modern day society, and then eventually how to save her community and in fact inspire it for the future. So it is a really cool like uh, coming of age story blended with an environmental theme you know, that has this myth running underneath it. So we feel it's a really universal story, but told in a very locally specific way. Fantastic. Uh, and a uh, strong female lead as well, strong something which is well. obviously uh, very uh, <laughs> uh, close to, I think, everyone's heart. It needs to be to be able to see on screen uh, something that's not often been handled in the best of ways, really. 
Yeah, that's fair. And I think uh, it was interesting because we went through a rewrite recently and the, the rewrite was driven by Melina, the main character, is 12 years old. And the rewrite was driven by the realization that we had told a story about her coming of age and stepping into her power and that was great. But we hadn't taken it to a level where any kid could watch that movie and feel like they could make a difference in the world. So for me, it isn't just about having a girl character on screen. It's about making that girl character aspirational to anyone. Um, both in their age group and beyond, but that you know, girls can be role models for boys just as much as boys are role models for girls, and it's not you know we're not a segregated kind of thing. Um, but that to see a 12-year-old kid able to find who she is and shine through brightly, and then inspire her community, hopefully, is inspiring to children everywhere. Fantastic. Um, now I'm surprised you've got time for an interview today uh, because you're here pitching two projects. The next one is in concept and it's down in the booklet as Planet of Kids, but that's not what it's called, is it? That is not what it's called. Um, we have a new title for the film, which we, uh, we brainstormed actually on the flight down here because we felt like it needed a better title and uh, we really wanted something that would capture the spirit of the movie. And uh, so we retitled the film I Broke Paradise. And uh, this is a great title because it has inside it this nugget of culpability. Who broke paradise? What happened? Why? Um, and it is a story about a planet full of children um, that live a really idyllic lifestyle. So they eat when they want, they play when they want, they sleep when they want, and everything's great. Except there's a kid that's dissatisfied with paradise. Um, and he's always looking to what's the next adventure, what's beyond the horizon, you know. He's, he just is always looking outward uh, and causing a little bit of trouble in his community. But onto this planet lands an adult. They've never seen an adult before. And he isn't just any adult, he's a vacuum cleaner salesman. And, uh, and so he begins to sell these kids, not vacuum cleaners because they don't know what to do with that, but dreams. And so he and, the, and our main kid sort of end up in this relationship where the kid has bigger and bigger dreams for what could come next, and this salesman is able to sell it. Uh, but you're probably wondering what the currency is on an island like this. Um, in this world, the children are forever young, and they're forever young because they have in their hearts a well of youth. And when the salesman realizes this, he sells them dreams one drop of youth at a time. So this is the currency. And uh, anyway, our main kid ends up with his rival on an adventure, and they end up on the other side of the island, and they discover consequences for the dreams that they've been manifesting. So it's a story about responsibility. It really is an environmental theme, and, uh, and it's a grand adventure with uh, some really yeah, fun comedy, but also like a lot of heart. Um, we're very fortunate. It's based on an incredible book. It's a cultural treasure out of Iceland called The Story of the Blue Planet. And uh, it's just an amazing story, and we're really fortunate um, that my directing partner, Philip uh, Einstein, was able to get the rights for the book for us to adapt it for the big screen. So Greenland and Iceland, yeah. really, really going for the uh, Arctic Circle there. <laughs> yeah, it's not as populated up there, so... <laughs> Some good stories. Some amazing stories. So how, to somebody like yourself, uh, obviously cartoon movies something that you've been to many times before. Uh, you find yourself working in Europe, uh, uh, pitching films which, uh, such as uh, recently uh, Ballerina or Leap, uh, depending on which country you're in. Um, how, how important is cartoon movie? Uh, for me, cartoon movie, uh, especially coming as an outsider, is, is an essential platform. Um, I come from the big studio system in the U.S. originally. I started at Pixar, I worked at Sony, worked with Disney, and uh, up and down the West Coast. And what I was looking for was more artistic freedom. 
um, both in the kinds of stories that I wanted to tell and in the visual expression. And that was not so possible in the big studio system. So I you know, moved over into independent film and I kept seeing these amazing movies coming out of Europe, Ernest and Celestine, you know, um, Secret of Kells, you know, these kinds of films. And I thought, I want to be able to make films that have that level of artistic freedom. Um, and so I sort of shifted the center of gravity to Europe. So for me, Cartoon Movie represents a place where you can come with your ideas and pitch them and find other like-minded production partners and through this incredible European co-production structure, be able to finance movies that have heart and artistic integrity that could never get financed you know, in the studio system that I'm familiar with. So for me, it's like a, it's a real showcase of creativity and ambition and storytelling and I'm delighted to be here. Fantastic. Jerrica Cleland, thank you very much for speaking to Squiggly today. Best of luck with both projects. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. That was Jerrica Cleland. If you want to find out more about her work, you can go to jerricacleland.com. Richard Vandenboom is one of many producers that makes the Pilgrimage to Cartoon Movie. He's part of Pappy 3D, a company which represents many famous short film directors, including Sarah Vandenboom, Jeremy Clapin, and Frank Dion. And it was with Frank Dion they came to pitch a film called The Legacy of Depagneur. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Over to Richard Vandenboom for more. You've been here as part of the pitching team with uh, Frank Dion, the director of The Head Vanishes and Edmund Was a Donkey, for his latest project, which is hoping to be a feature film, uh, The Legacy of Depan Nuage. Is that right? Did I pronounce it right? Perfect, perfect pronunciation. You're, you're ready to, uh, to be a full French-speaking guy. I mean, after this week, I, I'd love to be. <laughs> um, could you tell us a little bit about the project? Well, a little bit is, is difficult. Uh, it's the first uh, project from uh, Frank Dion that we uh, estimated that it was worth going through uh, and start uh, looking for uh, possibilities to produce. It's a, a project that uh, it tells the story of a, uh, a young character uh, which is named Romulus, like uh, the wolf from, uh, from Roma. And uh, he's, uh, he's very small, he, he's apparently living in a, in a family of, uh, of sheep and uh, he's the only one with a, a wolf face. And uh, he comes back to what seems to be uh, his uh, family house, which is actually a, a huge mansion on, uh, close to the sea, uh, to the sea uh, with a, a lighthouse on the top, a moving lighthouse. It seems uh, to be uh, kind of alive. And he apparently comes back at the time where the head of the family died. And uh, he seems to be very worried uh, of this uh, to, to come back to this place. And uh, the film actually shows him uh, meeting his family, uh, recreating what seems to be very awkward uh, relationship with them. Uh, I can't say more about the story because I don't want to, uh, well, to, to say too much about it. It's also because it's at the very, very early stage of writing. Uh, so there are probably many things that will move uh, yet in the, uh, until we, the final product is finished. But uh, it's, a, it's a film that will be made in stop motion with some additional 3D uh, elements to, uh, to complete the picture. Uh, the characters are, uh, have uh, animal faces but uh, have a human, uh, are humanoid. Uh, they move around and they, they, they will eat uh, at the table, sit on chairs and things like that. 
Uh, it's going to be a, a family project, but um, more a project. Uh, what, what we mean of, for families that it, there will be elements to appeal to a, a wide, varied, uh, wide range of ages. But it's not uh, an entertainment film. It will be a really uh, artistic film uh, with uh, with a. Complex story and uh, complex subjects. It's really a film about, um, uh, you know, children who who, uh, who are subjected to violence during their childhood, or who who need to build an uh, imaginative uh, environment to to cope with this violence that they they don't understand and a difficult relationship with. Uh, with their brothers and sisters because they're supposed to be uh, responsible of the death of their mothers or something like that. So it's a difficult film, but we, we hope to make it a film which is uh, ba well balanced between, uh, be between being uh, um, uh, wonderful, uh, fantastic, but also frightening and also uh, funny. Well, it, it doesn't certainly doesn't strike me uh, as a uh, American mainstream feature release, which is good because it's Frank Dion. I would not expect anything uh, less. How important is it to take an idea such as this and present it to people at this very early stage? Because we're talking three, four years before this film can be made, if it is fines for finance. It's probably more like five years, five, six years okay. or something like that. I put it on a fast track. <laughs> Uh, the thing is, uh, we believe that it's very important to to have people. We it's the first uh, feature film that we actually uh, uh, we we actually claim that we are going to produce it. We we've only made short films until now, and so it's it's very important for us that to meet people from the feature film environment because that they are very different people than the one we are used to in the short film uh, ecosystem. So we wanted to meet these people and we also want them to uh, to see what's coming. Uh, they, we want uh, the picture to the project to be talked about by uh, people and uh, so uh, we thought that it was a good idea to already show some uh, appealing things uh, that may might interest that may people be, be interested in it uh, so they ask questions we can already uh, see if they have uh, some people are interested to go any further would like to be uh, involved in uh, in any way, and uh, it was actually a very good uh, a very good strategy because we already met several people who, who are interested, and uh, we know that we have people we have uh, contacts to send us uh, the script when it will be uh, finished. Uh, not finished, but we will, at least uh, there is a, a first uh, version which is uh, good enough to be uh, to be shown. Fantastic. Uh, what strikes me as, as interesting in that what you've just told me is the fact that the worlds of short film where uh, Franck uh, Dion is very well known, he's an award-winning filmmaker, he's produced some amazing work, celebrated at places like Annecy, uh, that that world does not cross over quite so easily with the world of, of feature films, especially, I mean, even in Europe, you know, uh, looking around, there's people I know here from Annecy, but they might not necessarily be 
as heavily invested in that world as we are on Squiggly or we are within the short film community. How have you found that challenge? Uh, well, it's pretty obvious. Even in NC, when you when you're there, you know that the people who are making short films are in the part of the festival, and people who are making feature film are in the MIFA uh, part of the festival. So uh, there is really a strong separation between these two ecosystems, and the fact is that. Uh, it, Frank and Papi 3D are fairly well known in the short film uh, animation short film industry. They are completely unknown in the feature film industry. We're, the people I've talked to here, most of them have not seen a single of our films, and they won't. Uh, most of the people, it's it's very rare actually that people from short film move to feature film. It's still rare. Maybe it will uh, it will increase in the in the past future now that some manage to do that. But it's quite recent actually. Most of the time, the directors that uh, the authors that uh, make feature films. Mainly, especially in France, mainly comes from uh, uh, comics or uh, TV series, not from short films. And that's probably because short films is uh, really uh, the the format that that is the best suited for uh, for artistic type of production. But in feature film, this translates with a lot of difficulties. Uh, there are. There is very little market for adult uh, artistic feature films right now. So even for us, we know that we have to uh, adjust a bit the type of films that we're going to make to to appeal to an audience. We, we know that we must take that into account. While we, we did that take that into account in our short films, but not, not as a major... Uh, uh, challenge while well, for feature film it has to be. Uh, how have you found the experience of a cartoon movie? Is this a, 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 an important event for you guys to attend? Yeah it was quite important because uh, it was the first uh, time we actually uh, talked of, about the project to uh, an audience, to, to people. So it was the first time we actually have uh, a response to the project by people we do not know. We had some friends that came and say, well, your, your, pro, your presentation was very good, but they are friends. They are not completely uh, objective in their, uh, in, their, uh, in, their, uh, in their views and opinions. But we also had a lot of people who came to us and we didn't know them at all and said, well, I saw your presentation. It's, was very interesting, very uh, enduring. So um, it, it is a good way to, uh, to, do, to evaluate the appeal of the project. And then, of course, the second thing which is important is to meet the people that makes the ecosystem of this uh, of feature films. It's make people who finance, who distribute the films. And this is people we usually don't meet and don't know, of course. So Richard Vandenboom, thank you very much for speaking to Squiggly today and very best of luck with the film. Thank you very much. Next up is the team behind Molesworth, Camilla Deakin and Ruth Fielding from Lupus Films, one of the leading lights in UK feature animation and certainly a studio well known for producing heartwarming work in short form and feature form with The Tiger Who Came to Tea and Ethel and Ernest being amongst the recent achievements in those areas. In Molesworth, the studio has paired with Uli Meyer to bring his obsession with Ronald Searle to the big screen. 
I must confess, I was laughing out loud at the trailer when it was screened in the auditorium at this hilarious look at the ridiculous British class system told from the point of view of a cheeky schoolboy called Molesworth. So to find out more, let's hand it over to Lupus Films. Hello, I'm Camilla Deakin. I'm one of the uh, co-owners and founders of Lupus Films and I'm also one of the producers of Molesworth. Hello, I'm Ruth Fielding, co-owner, co-founder of Lupus Films and one of the producers on Molesworth. Molesworth's made quite a splash this year. Uh, it's been doing very well online. But everyone's really excited to see uh, this translation for uh, Ronald Searle's work uh, onto a feature format. It's something that the director, uh, Uli Meyer, has been working on for years. Those who've been following his own blog and his own... Uh, how would I say, his passion project really, isn't it, uh, for, for years to come. Uh, how did he come to you guys with the idea? When we were making Ethel and Ernest, which was based on a Raymond Briggs graphic novel, he popped into the studio to see what we were up to, and he was really impressed with what we were doing, and was really impressed with how faithful the animation in Ethel and Ernest was to Raymond's original illustrations. So he, he said to us, you know, I, I've got this project also based on a book property, I wonder if you might be interested, could you have a look? So he showed us the Molesworth books and I went, oh my God, Molesworth. I read Molesworth as a child and I loved them. And actually, funnily enough, my older brother got me into Molesworth and um, he loves uh, Ronald Searle. In fact, he collects, he's got some Ronald Searle advertising material, um, which he, you know, and so he kind of introduced me to it. Anyway, Ruth and I looked at the books and we knew they were, you know, great fun. And we thought, and, and of course, the Ronald Searle illustrative style fits very well with our uh, high-end 2D animation that we produce. And obviously, we're known for adapting much-loved book properties, so that the whole thing kind of just made sense. I have said that you adapt the unadaptable. It's <laughs> it's the the scratchy the pencil and and pen style of uh, Raymond Briggs for Methel and Ernest, uh, the sparse environments of the tiger who came to tea. How, how do you approach these challenges? Is this some sort of... Are you, you guys must be mad, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> I think um, what we do is we respect the original source material. So, you know, with Tiger, for example, it was all about getting to know why Judith used white space in the books in the way that she did. And with um, Ronald Searle, sadly, he's not, no longer with us, but when he was alive, um, he met Uli and, uh, you know, sort of passed the baton on to Uli, if you like, and said you're, he was so impressed with the little St. Trinian's test that Uli had done early on. And he said, you're the only animator alive that can animate my drawings. So um, Uli actually developed the style um, within the line, if you like, within a TV paint package in order to replicate the sort of jaggedy edges and the sketchiness of the soul line. So, you know, it's taken us a couple of years to develop this with Uli and, and also to, to write the script with um, Kieran and Giles. So it, it's, it's work in progress, but, you know, I think the key with the look and adapting Searle's drawings is just being very, very respectful to the original creator and how those drawings were created in the first place. It's got a very, well, inescapably British, obviously, uh, Ronald Searle's work. It seems to me, obviously, being here at this certain time of year, 
Uh, there's a lot of Brexit jokes being made. Thankfully, your pitch didn't have any coronavirus or Brexit jokes. Thank you very much uh, for that. Uh, but the film seems like the perfect antidote to Brexit. It seems to be taking the mickey out of this, the British class system, the, the pomposity and everything else that Searle is well known for. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about adapting that story? Yeah, I think, you know, we talked a bit about this in the presentation, but, you know, there is a certain kind of Britishness that the world is interested in, that, you know, they kind of admire and, and, and send up at the same time. So if you look at the kind of boarding school environment of Hogwarts in the Harry Potter films and books, you know, I think people around the world are kind of fascinated by that and quite, you know, interested in it. And clearly a lot of British period drama sells well, whether it's The Crown or Downton Abbey or you know, Jane Austen adaptations or whatever it is. So the thing about Molesworth is it kind of takes that and sends it up. It takes all those kind of tropes, those sort of stereotypes of Britishness and kind of turns them on their head and, and has a laugh at them. You know, and so, you know, in our, in our script, not to give too much away, you know, Molesworth meets Winston Churchill in The Queen and, you know, crashes a double-decker bus into, the, you know, the Palace of Westminster. So, you know, we, 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 we are doing it in a rather tongue-in-cheek way, but we're also, you know, respecting the original Searle books um, and, and, and drawing on great classic British comedies such as the Ealing comedies, you know, Peter Sellers, um, you know, that tradition that the British have of kind of sending themselves up, that's what we want to continue with the Molesworth film. I like your, your um, description of it being an anti-Brexit film. I think it is because, you know, essentially what the story is about is about friendship and in what Molesworth learns is that he's, he, he's much more powerful if he can work as a team with all his schoolmates than he can work together. So, you know, we're very much... Um, uh, you know, want to make this film as a co-production with Luxembourg in Europe and we've been talking to lots of other uh, French and German sales agents and distributors and, and you know want to make this film in the way that we've made a lot of our other feature films as a European co-production and even if we're not part of Europe anymore and after Brexit um, we can still make animated films together it's what animation is all about. Fantastic. So the, the UK is still a, a very much a presence in Europe and there's lots of people want to work with, well, at least fr from Lupusfilm's uh, point of view, people still want to buy British, work British, work, work with people in the UK. Brexit's not changing anything there, hopefully. No, no, we hope not. And, you know, to be honest, um, at that very high end of feature quality animation, hand-drawn animation, the crews are very international. You know, and we love our crews, you know, we get them from all over the world and, you know, some of the top animators uh, that work on our, our feature films and specials are from, you know, either from Europe or other parts of the world. So we celebrate that and it's exactly as, as Ruth said, you know, it's, it's a collaborative process animation, you know, and we need to continue to collaborate with our partners around the world. Also, one more sort of Britain angle would be Little Britain. You've got Matt Lucas as the voice of Molesworth in the trailer. Uh, how's that experience been? Uh, uh, have you fleshed out the cast any further or are we at a point in the film where that's not really come about yet? We've not cast anyone beyond Matt Lucas, but what was wonderful was that when we approached Matt, he jumped at the chance to play Molesworth and he read the books as a child and he enjoyed them. He loves Ronald Searle. He's a big fan of illustrators, actually, of classic cartoons and illustrations. So... He is a kind of the perfect casting choice for Molesworth and he couldn't have been more charming and, and brought a lot to the part actually and gave it a kind of unique personal spin. So, you know, we love working with Matt.
and the next stage will be to think about the rest of the cast. But we've got a few people in mind, can't say who yet, but you know, the thing is there are so many amazing characters in Molesworth from the evil headmaster Grimes, the mad maths master Mr. Arbuthnot, you know, uh, Matron, who's who's basically psychotic and a sadist. You know, so you can think there are going to be some amazing British character actors who are going to fill those parts. And then we've got a few international parts in the film as well. So, you know, watch this space. <laughs> Fantastic. So what are you guys looking for from Cartoon Movie? What's the f what does the film need at this point? Um, well, we're here to talk to sales agents, distributors, financiers, gap financiers. Um, we've already got one European co-producer in um, shape of uh, Meliazine from Luxembourg and support from the Luxembourg Film Fund. Um, but we're open to talking to other partners, um, other producers potentially, and um, other platforms as well. There are a couple of the um, S4 platforms here. So we're, we're having early negotiations, discussions, uh, investigations um, with a view to sort of financing it in the next 18 Three months. months. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, yeah. I mean, these things take time. Uh, but yeah, we're hope we've had a huge, I think the reaction to this has been immense. We've been really knocked off our feet actually. So we're hoping it may not take too long to finance. I think also that Cartoon Movie is a fantastic launch platform from a kind of PR and marketing point of view as well. You know, you, you, you know that Uli's, Uli Meyer, the director, has been obsessed with Ronald Searle for all his life and this is, a, you know, his personal um, passion project. But not everybody knows that. And so from our point of view, being able to do the presentation here, to launch the teaser, you know, to put the press release out and announce that we've attached Matt Lucas, you know, this was a sort of focal point that we were heading towards. And that's given us a great profile uh, in Europe, throughout Europe and, and in the States where, you know, a lot of press have picked up on it. So, you know, for us, it's a, it's a you know, the, the opportunity to come and present here at Cartoon Movie is invaluable. Fantastic. Well, Camilla, Ruth, thank you very much for speaking to Squiggly today. Thanks Brilliant. for having us. Thank you. <laughs> so strong female leads have been at the heart of this year's event, and one film which has pitched successfully a previous cartoon movie, only to return in its near completion stage this year to preview the first 15 minutes, was a film called Calamity. From the team that produced Long Way North, the film tells a tale of Martha Jane Canary, who would later become the famous Calamity Jane. So from Nordic Films, we're joined by producer Klaus Toxvig to talk more about the film. My name is Klaus Toxvig. I am the CEO of Nolum Entertainment, and we are co-producing Calamity Jane, which we're previewing here yesterday. Fantastic. Nolum Films people will uh, recognise from Long Way North. Uh, another film with a strong female protagonist, quite young, adventurous, completely different setting though. It is, but I think what's really beautiful about this is this is our second collaboration with exactly the same team. Like uh, it's, it's kind of going family in that way. Uh, it's very rare you get to do this kind of collaborations like twice. We're trying to do it for the third time now. You know, it's, it's really been exciting and um, long way north. Two-Tone Demon started the journey with maybe movies, Doom Minute, Remy Chayet, and Calamity Jane is now, of course, the second installment, but both strong female characters who both go on a huge adventure to figure out who they are. Amazing. 
We have to talk about the film. Uh, we, we've been speaking to people on this podcast who have arrived at Cartoon Movie with film ideas in different levels of completion. Calamity is nearly ready to be released at a major festival or event. And it is beautiful. We were, we were, instead of being pitched the idea, we were given 15 to 20 minutes of this uh, gorgeous film. Could you tell us a bit about the journey that this film has had been at Cartoon Movie for these years? Well, obviously, for any player in production and distribution, you can see for yourself, Cartoon Movie is very important because this is where we meet and this is where we get to showcase the films early concept, development, production, you know, you name it. And it's a chance to see what's going on because we're all so busy making films or buying films in our daily lives that we actually miss a lot, right? So I think we, as many others, use cartoon movie for meeting each other and see, ah, oh, that's what you're working on now. Oh, this is why, you know, it's almost like catching up and discovering we know each other, right? This is a small industry. But we rarely sometimes know what we're working on, actually. Um, I'm saying it in a good way because I think Cartoon Movie has proven worthy of, you know, figuring out, ah, oh, this is, every once in a year, we figure out what we do. Fantastic. In concept, you know, because that's early. Yeah. So Glamour has gone from early concept now to what you saw yesterday, showing appreciation for being part of this journey as well, with us, in a way. It's a nice thank you to the uh, the audience or the I suppose collaborators that are surrounding uh, us here today, as well. Uh, maybe tell us a little bit about the film. We've been talking about how fantastic cartoon movie is. We've been talking about how great Long Way North is. People will remember Long Way North. Uh, tell us about Calamity. Well, Calamity is a completely different risk and it's a completely different challenge because um, I love both films dearly. Don't get me wrong, but. We really up the stakes with Calamity. And I'm not just saying that because it's the second film. I'm saying it because challenging-wise, it was difficult. Um, one of the major struggles we had was to find the right balance um, when you're telling a story about somebody's childhood, obviously. And for Remy, who wrote and directs, you know, we, we, you need to find a component to have a successful, entertaining film for all audiences, right? That combined with the style having no outline, having a very artistic, painterly style to it, just like Long Way North. Whereas Long Way North primarily focus on the North Pole. I always say, you know, we focus on, there was a lot of, um, well, there's ice, and so you have white, gray, and blue for half a film. That's challenging enough, we know, but you know, it's not like the Wild West when you have like thousands of colors without outline. So the trick here was how do you balance sunset, sunrise, midday, night? Oh my God! It was um, that without that and, and serving the style. I'm so happy that it actually worked because you never know when you're making something like that challenging how it will look. Well, it, the f the film is a love letter to light and a love letter to the environment. And as you said, uh, well, particularly for the environment, I feel. The film is either two-thirds ground or two-thirds sky, depending on, or from what I've seen, depending on uh, 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 Martha Jane's point of view. Um, you get a real sense that this is uh, very, a film that understands the importance of a good environment. No, but obviously in every film, uh, especially Remy does, the, the I, I want to say he, he really acknowledged that <clears throat> there is no, well, characters obviously tell the story, but 
the environment has to kind of marry that thing. So they, you can't have one without the other. It's, it's the whole thing works together. And I, uh, and I like that you can, in, in my world, you could, we want to always smell the place they're in. And for that kind of place, you, you, you need to be aware of that when you're creating a story, right? Surrounding, every location has a meaning, every scene has a point, told from the character's point of view as well. So all of that, making that a really huge challenge because we have so many different locations in Calamity, whereas the North Pole is the North Pole, right? Um, I think that was the thing we, we all dreaded at the beginning, saying, oh man, I don't know how we're going to do this. <laughs> but of course, the team here in Paris were amazing. The team in Nolan, when we did the capacity, was great. So we, we, we did it, and, but I'll, I would be honest, I have not seen it on a huge screen myself until yesterday. Seen on the monitors, we worked on it, we looked at it, but there's a difference detail-wise when you blow it up in 4K or just watching it on your computer. What was your reaction? <laughs> so I was just as I, mean, I was thinking before when we were on the stage before it showed, I was like, I really hope this works, right? Because I have not seen it. But some people warned me and said, no, no, it's fine. You know, they've seen it. Um, but only a few saw it before. So I was just as excited to see that as you were and everybody else. And luckily, it, it, it worked. So, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so, what's next? Uh, you'd be searching for a big event to be premiere in this film. Yeah. Uh, well, indie sales who have the you know distribution and ones that they want to push it obviously for festivals now. And then the official release in France will be um, October, I heard. So this is this will be the year where they will come out. So that's exciting. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of work gone into it, so we really hoped it will find an audience, you never know. Um, but it's also a story I know a lot of my friends would like to um, see. Because there's not a lot of films out there about the childhood of one of the maybe most iconic characters from the West. And most iconic female characters from the West. Because in the period she lived and the period she was... Um, you know, you, you didn't ride the horse like that if you go. You didn't carry a gun if you love it. The whole gunslinger women thing was revolutionary. And she helped bring that, you know, to life. And that's exciting. Fantastic. That way. Uh, how important to uh, Nolan Films is an event such as Cartoon Movie, and how does it shape the work that you do? I noted earlier on the character of Rain, yeah. uh, one of your storyboard artists, yeah. uh, or storyboard artist from the Calamity uh, team, is actually pitching his own work yeah. now. Well, this is, this is really great, because this is what happens sometimes when, when you do projects like Long Way North, Calamity Jane, there's a lot of great talent that this film attracts as well, mm -hmm. and they help build. So they have just as much stake in it as we have, from a creative point of view. And of course, they grow too, their talent grow. And I'm so grateful to see that sometimes, you know, they will direct their own film. They will push their own film and content, you know, and content. And doing cartoon movie, having these experiences, they also learn and they watch and they see. And now they can do it on their, you know, on their own. And how better way of that to inspire new talent, inspire new filmmakers, because we also need that. We really, such a small industry, in my opinion, we, we, we need more people to, to come up with ideas, to come up with pitches, to come here to Cartoon Movie and show their ideas in front of everybody, right? So in that sense, it's vital 
this event for, for the industry, you know. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. What's next for Nolan Films? Well, we have a film right now uh, called The Ape Star, which is a Swedish, Danish, um, Norwegian. So first time we're doing a Scandinavian, really embarrassed because we are 10 years in Nolan, this is the first time we're doing Scandinavia. And, you know, it's always been France or Ireland, or, but it also shows that, you know, we want to do, it's time to do something that is, that is, you know, Nordic. Mm. Uh, so we're going to finish this film in June. We already in production, been in production since September last year. And this is a family film, completely different from Calamity, completely different from Tutor on the Moon. But it's one of those films that is really, um, it carries, I think, some of the things that I love about a great script or a great film. Um, the characters, again, um, it's about family. Mm. It's about adoption. I'm adopted, so part of maybe talk to me about that in a way. Um, and it's, it's a really fun, adventurous film as well in that sense. So that's what we, now we have to make that good. Now we have to work on that until June, at least. Yeah. And then we'll see when it will come out. But that's further behind than, than obviously Calamity Jane. So you'll be back at Cartoon Movie in future? I will definitely be back, yes. Oh, thank you very much for speaking to Squiggly today. No, you're absolutely welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you very much to Klaus Toxvig there from Norlan Films and Calamity, the story of Martha Jane Canary, will no doubt be hitting animation festivals this year. So our final guest on this podcast is Jim Capabianco, another Pixar veteran who's found Europe to be the perfect creative field to pitch his work, The Inventor. Based on his own short film from a few years ago, Leonardo, the film tells the tale of Leonardo da Vinci in stop motion. It's really interesting to see the freedom of European indie features lure over our American friends. And to tell us more about that from the inventor is Jim Capobianco. Hi, this is uh, Jim Capobianco. Uh, I'm an, uh, an American animator, director, writer, uh, storyboard artist mainly. Uh, and I'm here at Cartoon Movie. Here pitching The Inventor, a tale of Leonardo da Vinci. Tell us how this came about. Uh, so, let's see. Whoa, how much time do we have on this podcast? <laughs> um, I, uh, I made a short film that I finished in 2009 about Leonardo da Vinci. It's a hand-drawn animated film. And um, after I finished that, I began to think I would never touch da Vinci again because <laughs> that took 10 years to make. Um, but I couldn't get away from Leonardo, and so I started to um, think about his time when he moved to France, and I thought that was an interesting time period um, about him leaving Italy. Why would he leave Italy? Why did he go to France? What was going on in his time at that time for him? So I started to explore that more and research it, and uh, a film started to develop out of that, an idea for a feature film to kind of tell that story and, um, and, and sort of mine that for what meaning I could from that kind of period in person's life. Because this would be the end of his life and like the end of the life of somebody so grand and smart and had accomplished so much, what, what would he be thinking about? What would he be doing? Why... why would being in France be different than being in Italy? What was going on? What were the tensions? What were all these things? So all those things I started trying to research and develop and figure out for a feature film. 
Fantastic. Uh, you've pointed out the obvious, you're an American here in Europe. Uh, you're also an American who's worked for Disney, you've worked for Pixar, you've worked for all these big studios. What draws you to this tiny uh, collective collection of nations which create indie films for a couple of million dollars as opposed to the big studios that make films for astronomical amounts of money? Well, I feel like uh, a project like The Inventor, well, <clears throat> I think because it takes place in France, because it's about a European figure, in a way, it feels natural that it should be made in Europe. Um, but I think also there's a certain sensibility to it that it's been hard, and it's, I'm not going to say I haven't tried to pitch it around Hollywood, because we have. It's just it, it doesn't seem to uh, land with what they're always looking for in stories. So it seems like they're looking more for the next you know, thing they've already seen before and make a sequel of that or make redo it again. And so it felt like uh, I've been very friendly with the guys at Cartoon Saloon for a very long time. And I've seen how they've kind of built up their movies and get funded. And I know it's always a smaller, much smaller budget but it felt like they were able to tell the stories that they wanted to tell. And I think that that freedom seems more evident here in Europe if you're willing to sacrifice the budget to make it for cheaper. And I think the way we've structured the inventor and the way it could be told could be made in a smaller budget, and I don't necessarily need those giant budgets and stuff. So, and then there's the talent pool here, which is just tremendous. I mean, many of them head to the US to work in the big studios. Um, but why not create something here that they, some can stay here and work on it? And I think there's such a grand uh, history here of stop motion animation, of 2D animation, obviously, that to be able to uh, tap into that and utilize that and also bring, I don't know, my experience working on, stu on like a Pixar movie and the storytelling we would do there to kind of bring that here and maybe help bring up the storytelling here in Europe. Even. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, uh, Tom has spoken about what he calls Frankenstein finance, the idea that you get lots of different uh, you know, pots from different places and you bring it all together and then you are able to lead the story as opposed to being told by the person who holds a per the, the biggest purse strings uh, how to change, change the main character from Leonardo da Vinci to you know, somebody else, you know, it, 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 you don't, you won't face that, hopefully, with uh, with European funding. How have you found Europe, and how do you find the, what do you think the main difference is between the films made here at a place like Cartoon Movie and the films made in America? Well, I, as my experience, even just now, of Cartoon Movie this week, uh, there's such a diverse group of storytelling, there's so much different types of stories being told, stories for adults, stories for little kids, stories for in between, um, different techniques, there's CG, uh, 2D of all forms, uh, some more stop motion. Uh, it just seems like there's such a outpouring of artistry and um, and this range that I don't necessarily always see in, anima in animation in the United States. I mean, I feel like maybe that's changing a little bit. There's some stuff you see, and there are some smaller studios in LA and this stuff, and um, stuff that goes on to Cartoon uh, Adult Swim and, uh, and these other smaller uh, TV avenues. But 
as far as feature films, you don't see that broad a range of, of, of content mm-hmm. happening. And so that that's probably the biggest thing I think I see here. So I think they're willing to do things for these lower budgets that they can take. I don't know if it's, I mean, it's risky for all of them, but it does seem like it's, it, it's just, um, there's more people taking a chance or they expected like that, you know, that we're going to push the boundaries here. Or that, you know, we want something a bit different. Have you found the pitching process here at Cartoon Movie? Uh, a little nerve-wracking. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I feel like I have great partners, uh, Elon Uroz and uh, Robert Ripberger, my two producers. And uh, Elon is, uh, owns the studio Folioscope, where we're hoping to make the film in, uh, on the other side of France, uh, near Lyon. And so the three of us went in there, prepared all week, uh, getting it ready, the pitch, practicing it, working on it, and then you got, that. I think the hardest thing is they're very strict about the time limit, so you have 20 minutes to pitch it, and then you're out the door, so we really, like, got it honed in there, and uh, I think that was probably the most nerve-wracking thing, so. Does it have a ticking clock? Yes. So you, yeah. Yeah, there's a time clock. It's not, it's not like uh, at some uh, awards shows and stuff where you see this giant clock, it was just this little one off to the side. Very, like, very, uh, uh, very polite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So what, what does uh, the inventor need now? Uh, you're here uh, asking a whole audience for the people for help. What do you guys need? So I think the main reason people come to Cartoon Movie is to get uh, their films out in front of distributors and... Uh, um, co-production partners and um, people who can help them get their film uh, realized. So uh, that's the exact same things we were looking for. Um, you know, we are looking to finish up our financing, and uh, and in a way, this was the first sort of uh, exposure of the film to the world to get it out there. Um, we've been kind of showing Robert and I've been showing it around and. Um, uh, it's been a very like just insulated group like individually and this was more like getting it out into a big audience and showing it and going here's what we're doing and uh, if you guys want to jump on board we'd love to have you if you have the same passion we do for the project so and it's been great I think a lot of people have responded to the material and and to the film and the idea and uh, we've gotten a great response and it's just so much um, just so much passion here that people have for a good quality piece of film. So I think that's it's been really, uh, it's been just great. It's been great. Well, Jim, thank you very much for speaking to Swiggly today, and best of luck with the inventor. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And Cheers. All the luck to all you guys who are dreaming out there. Keep the dreams alive, all right? <laughs> Said very well through jet lag, I presume. Yeah, yeah brilliant. <laughs> Thank you very much to Jim Capabianco, director of The Inventor, and thank you to all those who took the time to speak to me about their ideas at this year's cartoon movie. You can find out more about all the projects, including links to company websites, by visiting squiggly.com and typing cartoon movie into the search bar at the top of the page. Until the next time, I hope you've enjoyed this special report from Cartoon Movie 2020 and a sneak peep at the films that could be released over the next few years. If it's fired you up ready to pitch your idea for a feature, TV series or transmedia project, visit the Cartoon Media website on Cartoon 
squigglyonline-media.com and why not let us know about it on our social media at squiggly on twitter and squiggly animation on instagram and whilst you're on your computer be sure to give squiggly.com a visit whenever you've got a spare second in the day I've been Steve Henderson. You can follow me on Twitter if you've literally nothing else to do at Mr. Underscore S underscore Henderson. But until the next time from Cartoon Movie in Bordeaux, France, au revoir. <laughs>